Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Daily Libertarian. I'm your host, Wally Garneau, and today we're going to talk about some of the things that really matter. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Daily Libertarian Podcast, Episode 6, and today I want to talk about conspiracy theories. I want to talk about what conspiracy theories are, what they are not, what conspiracy theories maybe you'll give a little bit of credence to, what conspiracy theories to stay away from, and I want to talk about how the CIA and the media have used conspiracy theories as a tool of disinformation, not only in terms of creating conspiracy theories, but probably more importantly, the CIA actually created the conspiracy of conspiracy theories never being something to believe in, uh, and actually that's the part I'm going to talk about first. That goes back to the 1970s. During the Vietnam War, the CIA was caught red-handed bringing heroin in with dead service members. Now, there were rumors that they were putting the heroin in the dead service members. That's not true. They were not in the service members. They were not in the service members' caskets. The heroin was in the palleting underneath caskets were resting on on the airplanes. But they were smuggling heroin into the United States from that part of the world, and they were doing it with the caskets underneath the caskets. So it was very, very true. They were doing that. They were then selling the heroin in the United States in order to finance super secret CIA operations that were not getting money from Congress. It was a way that they could that they could fund operations that were very, very secret. When the CIA got caught doing that, and I'm not speculating here. This is not a conspiracy theory that I'm giving you right now. This is all documented fact. The CIA has come clean, and they've all talked about this. The documentation on this is publicly available information. Uh, The CIA created what they called Operation Mockingbird. What Operation Mockingbird was, was the attempt to use the label of conspiracy theory in order to make the public not believe things that are true. So, for example, the CIA went out there in the the media, began having the media, they bribed members of the media to do this, incidentally, and bribed media houses to do this. They had them, and again, this is all public information. I'm not giving a conspiracy theory here on Operation Mockingbird. The CIA has come completely clean on this. It's all the public domain. The CIA was bribing members of the media to call the smuggling of heroin a conspiracy theory, to downplay it as a conspiracy theory, and they were also creating other conspiracy theories that were completely fictitious. They were throwing those out there. The media was reporting on those as well, and the the goal of this was to make the public believe that anything that was a conspiracy theory was also false, and that they were fools if they believed in conspiracy theories. So because of this, most of the public, this goes back to the 70s, the media has been doing it ever since. So with, uh, with, call it, 50 years of using the label of conspiracy theories in order to discredit anything that the CIA did not like, or now that the media does not like in more recent times, the public now is very, very dismissive of anything that is labeled as a conspiracy theory. And there are still a lot of bad conspiracy theories out there. I don't want to get too specific, but for example, 5G does not cause COVID-19. There is no scientific research that it does. All of the people saying that it does are making facts up out of thin air. There is no link between COVID-19 and 5G data. That's just that that, that that's that's the kind of conspiracy theory that gives conspiracy theories a bad name. So let's talk a little bit about conspiracy theories, which ones you might listen to and or give some credence to, and which ones you definitely 100% want to stay away from. The real question is, how do you know the difference? Well, the difference is in the data. If you have a conspiracy theory that has a lot of facts behind it, then that conspiracy theory might have some validity to it. 
For example, the conspiracy that the mafia was involved in the killings of John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy, that was a conspiracy theory for a very, very long time, that it was not just uh, Oswald going out on, on his own. Uh, there was a lot of people discredited the concept of the mafia having been involved in the Kennedy assassinations, saying that that is a conspiracy theory and that you're a fool if you believe it. More recently, Michael Franzese, who was a captain in the Colombo crime family during the 1980s, has come public and said that it was absolutely a mob hit. Michael Franzese was not somebody who would have had firsthand knowledge of that. He did not join the mob until, I believe, the 1980s. Obviously, that was after the Kennedy assassinations, after both of them. Actually, it was in the late 1970s that he joined the mafia. But his father had been in the mafia for a very, very long time. His father, Sonny Franzese, was actually the underboss of the Colombo crime family. And as the underboss of the Colombo crime family, according to Michael Franzese, his father, Sonny, was in the room when the decision to kill the Kennedys happened. He was actually there in the room. He was a part of that decision-making process. As the underboss, he would have just had an advisory role. He wouldn't have had a vote. At least I think that's how the mafia works. I'm obviously not an expert on the mob. I'm going by what Michael Franzese, who is an expert in the mob, what he says. He said his father was in the room when that decision was made. And what happened was Joseph Kennedy was a rum runner. That was how the, the Kennedys made their all of their wealth, by running rum. And uh, you don't run rum, according to Michael Franzese. You were not running rum at that time without going through the mafia. And in fact, his family, the Colombo family, was directly involved with Joseph Kennedy. Based on the timing, I'm going to guess that Sonny Franzese was directly involved with Joseph Kennedy. So Joseph Kennedy made the family fortune running rum. He had direct ties into the mafia, including Sonny Franzese, the Colombo crime family. And when it was time for John F. Kennedy and then Bobby Kennedy to run for office, or John F. Kennedy specifically, the Kennedy family made some promises to the mafia in terms of having access to the president, specific things that the president would do, uh, backing off investigations, things like of, of like that, in order to make the mafia more secure and, and make allow them to make a little more money. And in return, the mafia would use all of their contacts in the press, uh, their political weight, that they would use the, their, their union ties, and that they would do all of these different things in order to help John F. Kennedy get elected. Well, John F. Kennedy did get elected, but apparently there was a little bit of a love triangle between the Kennedys, Marilyn Monroe, and Sonny Franzese, in which Marilyn Monroe was involved with Sonny Franzese, and the Kennedys were unhappy about that. And as a part of that, Bobby Kennedy, I guess, took it very, very, very personally. And instead of doing all of the things that the Kennedys had promised to do for the mafia in order to have the mafia help the Kennedys get elected, or John F. Kennedy specifically get elected, they turned on the mafia, began attacking them in the press, began attacking them through the attorney general's office, Bobby Kennedy becoming the attorney general. And uh, they made the mafia enemy number one of the country, exactly the opposite of what they had promised the mafia. Well, the mafia was very powerful in those days, and you did not attack the mafia without repercussions, particularly not that directly and that publicly, and particularly not going after specific people. And if you look back at what the things that Bobby Kennedy was saying, unquestionably, he was directly challenging, directly attacking Sonny Franzese. This is the part of the podcast where I talk about mission. Most podcasts would talk about sponsors, but if you look around, you'll see that the left controls government, the media, including the press, academia, big tech, basically everything that controls narrative. The left even uses cancel culture to control corporate decision-making, canceling conservatives and conservative voices at every turn. The left claims to speak truth to power, but the left has little interest in truth, and the left is in power. 
So in reality, what the left does is to speak power to truth in order to shut truth down. My mission is to speak truth to power, and to do that, I have to prevent the left from having power over me. If I take sponsors, and the left can attack those sponsors and try to force them to stop supporting me. Running a blog, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and all of the other social media platforms I'm either involved in or getting involved in starts to get expensive, with hosting fees, hardware and software costs, and everything else, particularly as you start trying to improve production qualities, it just starts to add up. As my reach grows, so too must that production value, and without sponsorship, I am reliant on my followers. What I do, I do as a public service. Everything is free. Nothing is locked behind any kind of a pay gate. If you agree with my mission, however, you can support me. You can donate through Patreon at www.patreon.com slash W-G-A-R-N-E-A-U or through PayPal at paypal.me forward slash W-G-A-R-N-E-A-U. Every dollar helps, and particularly through Patreon or donations recur monthly. You can also purchase my book, The Way Forward, Lean Leadership and Systems Thinking for Large and Small Businesses. The book is not coming out until April and will be available wherever books are sold. If you want a signed copy, you can purchase it directly through me. I'm not taking payment at this time, but I am trying to get an idea of how many books to have my publisher ship through me. So if you're interested in a signed copy of my book, email me at Wallace Garno, that's W-A-L-L-A-C-E-G-A-R-N-E-A-U, at gmail.com. So that's it. If you want to support my mission, please consider donating and please consider buying a copy of my book. And now back to today's podcast. Michael Franzese came right out and said, the mafia killed the Kennedys. So that's that's the kind of thing that there was a lot of evidence that said the mafia might have been involved before anybody in the mob came right out and said that it had been. And I, should, I don't want to say Michael Franzese is in the mob. That is not true. Michael Franzese left the mob. The mob actually put a hit out on him at one point in time. His father okayed the hit, incidentally. Michael Franzese is not in the mob. He has denounced the mob life. Uh, speaks very, very publicly and very, very plainly about how it sh- people should not be in any kind of criminal activity. So Michael Franzese today, I think, is a straight shooter, but he was in the mob. So I want to be very clear there. Michael Franzese is not in the mob. He was in the mob. But he's very knowledgeable about that life. And so I've I've been listening to him on, on YouTube. He's a very interesting person to listen to. He has a lot of fascinating stories, great takes on mafia movies, just very, very good personality to, to listen to with regards to, to anything related to the mafia. But that was a conspiracy for a long time. It was a conspiracy that it turned out was true. Was Castro involved? If he was, Michael Francis didn't say so. Uh, were the Russians involved? If they were, Michael Francis didn't say so. He did say Jack Ruby had deep ties with the mafia. And he even mentioned how once Jack Ruby killed Oswald, everybody forgot about Jack Ruby's ties to the mob. So he had all these ties to the mob that were well, well known within the FBI before he kills Oswald. He kills Oswald and all of that's forgotten. So anyway, that's a good conspiracy theory. Bad conspiracy theories are things where the facts are questionable, where the facts are... You see, well, the thing with a conspiracy theory is, you've got two words there, conspiracy and theory. Now, the definition of conspiracy is simply a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. So again, we have two pieces of information. There are two two words there that are important, unlawful or harmful. A theory is a supposition or a system of ideas intended to explain something, especially when based on general principles independent of the thing to be explained. 
So a conspiracy theory then is a combination of two things. It's a group of people that are getting together to try to do something harmful or unlawful. It does not have to be unlawful, by the way. It can just be harmful. And uh, then it's backed by um, by a theory. So it's something that you don't know, but that you can theorize about. And how good a conspiracy theory is, is going to be determined by how strong of a theory it is. Now, if it's a conspiracy that is known, that it's not a conspiracy theory, because it, at that point, is a conspiracy that is documented, such as I think we can get to the point now where we might say that the John F. Kennedy assassination having been done to the mafia, we might say that that was a conspiracy, but not it's no longer a theory. We now, I think we can say that we know that it's true. Uh, a conspiracy theory is something where if you draw dots with known facts, you look at all of the facts that are out there and you draw, you, you put dots down, maybe you don't have direct evidence to connect the dots, but if you put enough dots on the paper, you start to get a pretty good picture and it starts becoming pretty easy to, to put some of the dots together, even without a factual basis for tying all of those dots together. Now, you don't know what happened. It's still a theory, but some theories start to look pretty good. So that's what a good conspiracy theory is. A bad conspiracy theory is one where some of the dots are fake, maybe all of the dots are fake, uh, people are saying that there are facts when the facts aren't really there, or maybe there just aren't very many dots at all. And so you start looking at those dots and you don't have a real picture emerging, and then somebody tries to draw a picture on top of them anyway. So there are a lot of conspiracies out there that are absolute garbage like that. I mentioned the the 5G COVID connection. That's a complete, utter garbage conspiracy theory. Nobody should believe that. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the QAnon or the Quanon or whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce that. I've never been a follower of Q. I've been asked, I can't tell you how many times what my thoughts on Q are. My thought on Q is that Q is someone who has never made his or their or her name public. I don't know if it's one person or multiple people. I don't know if Q is a male or a female. So no, we don't know who Q is. The other thing about Q is that Q drops these little nuggets of, of, of information, if you will, these little clues, as they're, as they're called. And those clues are like something Nostradamus would write, where they're not really, no, they're not specific. There's something that can be interpreted in any one of a number of different ways. And none of the clues can really be taken at face value by themselves. What happens is people, what are called the QAnon or the Quanon or whatever, they will then take those clues and they will try to put them together. So now you have these Nostradamus-like dots and you have people that did not make the Nostradamus-like dots trying to interpret them into information to create dots to then draw some kind of a picture that hopefully gets detailed enough that it looks like something. That's that's kind of how that works. Now, the interesting thing about the, I'm going to call them QAnon, the interesting thing about the QAnon is that if somebody comes up with a conspiracy theory and it starts to look like maybe it's true, then, oh, yeah, that's what Q is telling us. Q is such a great guy, brilliant, knows everything, must be in the Secret Service or the CIA or whatever Q is in, must know everything. Uh, whereas if somebody in the QAnon comes up with a conspiracy theory that proves to be complete and utter garbage, then the other people in the QAnon will look at it and say, well, you know, you just got the, you just got it wrong. You, you didn't read the clues correctly. The clues can be interpreted multiple ways. You just had the wrong interpretation of the clues. And as a consequence, Q is, is not disprovable. 
nothing Q says is ever going to be, be proven to be wrong because Q doesn't say things that can be proven or disproven. Q just leaves clues. And then you have all of these followers of Q that take these, interpret them, and try to draw stories behind them. That's the worst kind of conspiracy theory because none of it is factually based. Now, the information source itself. It's it's unknown. It's anonymous. You don't know if it's one person or multiple people. You don't know what their intention is. You don't know whether or not it's a game. So when people ask me about Q, what I tell them is, don't take anything seriously if it comes from somebody who's not willing to put their name on it. When I say things, for example, I don't just say I'm the Daily Libertarian. I say my name is Wally Garneau. I've got a phone number. I've got an email address. You know, I'm a real person. So I'm putting my reputation on the line with this podcast. I'm telling you things that I say are true. And not only that, but I tell people right on my blog, I've said it in, um, in, my, first, in my first podcast episode, I don't consider myself an entertainer first and foremost. You know, a lot of people out there would say that their first and foremost job is to entertain and that they hope to inform, but that they put entertaining ahead of informing. Me, I'd rather be boring than wrong. So I take the whole conspiracy thing very personally. I would rather be boring than be wrong. I, I believe that my role is to inform first and foremost. And while I hope I'm entertaining, I would rather be boring than wrong. So I take completely opposite perspective on that. And I look at conspiracy theories from that perspective. So do I believe in any conspiracy theories? It's hard to say, you know, at what point is it belief? I may give credence to some conspiracy theories. I uh, have written some things that have been called conspiracy theories. If I write it, believe me, while it may still technically be a conspiracy theory, there's a lot behind it. You've got to have something like a Michael Franzese who is out there that would absolutely know whether or not the mob was involved with the Kennedy assassination, saying, yeah, the mob was involved with the Kennedy assassination. You know, when he says his dad was in the room, to me, that means something. So, I'm going to say that that is something that I, I have said it now on the podcast and I believe it to be true, but it's got to have that kind of evidence for me to put my name on it and say that I believe it really did happen. And I just don't know that you can do that with a lot of the conspiracy theories that are out there. Now, there are many cases where you can connect the dots and you can say something is going on here. Somebody or something, some group is behind this. And we know, for example, for a fact that China controls our media. How does China control our media? Well, we know that because China has contracts, at least with, with one of our major media houses, I'm suspecting with others, and that they had a very similar contract with the NBA. You might remember about, I think it was two years ago now, a general manager in the NBA made the statement, or actually done his statement, he just he tweeted free Hong Kong. Now, when he tweeted free Hong Kong, China just went ballistic. And all of a sudden, you had this big brouhaha between China and the NBA. And what had happened behind the scenes on that is that the NBA had signed a contract with China where China had offered to open up China completely to the NBA. They'd be able to fly teams over there and play games in China. They'd be able to sell all their merchandise in China. They would be able to, all of the games would be televised in China. So they'd open up the market in China for all of this NBA stuff, games, merchandise, what have you. And China wanted something in return for that. And what China wanted in return for that was for the NBA to voluntarily have all of its players, all of its personnel, all of its general managers, coaches, everybody affiliated with the NBA would voluntarily agree not to say anything publicly that the Chinese Communist Party did not allow them to say. In other words, they agreed to voluntarily submit themselves to censorship from the Chinese Communist Party in return for having access to the Chinese market. 
Now, they're not the only company out there that has a contract similar to this. Time Warner has a contract similar to this. Time Warner, of course, owns CNN. So I believe all of our major media houses have contracts very similar to this with the Chinese Communist Party. And the reason that they would do that is the same reason the NBA would. There are 1.3 billion Chinese. At one point in time, there were 1.6. It's actually lower now. There are 1.3 billion Chinese people out there. and The Chinese people have a lot more wealth than they used to. In the meantime, there are only 330 million Americans. So if you're selling something like a car, uh, you have about as good of a chance of selling a car right now in China as you have in the United States in terms of there being about 330 million people in China that you would call middle class or above. But if you're selling something small like a magazine, toothpaste, you know something that does not cost a ton of money, you've got far more people in China that might buy it than you have in the United States. And that makes the Chinese media market far more important than the United States. And the thing to understand with the media is that the product they sell is not their media. If I'm making a television show, for example, and I'm putting it up on NBC, the television show is not my product. I did make a television show, but that's not my product. My product are all the eyeballs that are watching that TV show. That's what I sell to advertisers. I don't go to advertisers and say, look, I've got Matlock coming up at 6 o'clock p.m. I tell them I've got 1.3 million people watching a show at 6 p.m. Unless they're worried about a political backlash, Sean Hannity or something, the advertisers don't care what the TV show is. They care about how many eyeballs are going to be watching that show. They also care about demographics. You know, if it's a show that's being watched by a bunch of people over 65, they're going to sell different products. And if it's a bunch of people that are under 20, so they do care about demographics. I don't want to say they don't care about the audience at all, but they don't really care what the TV show is. They care about the audience, the demographics of the audience and things like that. So given that the audience is the product that the media houses are creating, and given that there's a larger audience in China, or the potential to have a larger audience in China, much larger than in the United States, companies like Time Warner have far more at stake having access to the Chinese market than they have at stake in having access to the American market. And this is why they're willing to sacrifice their standings in the American market in order to grow their standing in the Chinese market. This is why CNN will openly and outright lie to the American people. It's because the Chinese government is asking them to openly and outright lie to the American people in order for Time Warner to be able to produce material for the Chinese market and also to put the material they make for the American market into the Chinese market in order for them to have that kind of access to the Chinese market where they can make far more money than they make in the United States. They have to allow the Chinese government to censor what they say. So we're getting a tremendous amount of disinformation from our mainstream media sources. And like I said, I don't know what all of those contracts are. I only know of a couple of them for sure. Uh, I suspect that Fox News is censored by the Chinese Communist Party. I think that's why they did what they did in election night. And the reason I think that it makes sense for Fox to be censored by the Chinese Communist Party, if I were China, they'd actually be the first one that I would censor. Uh, Sun Tzu wrote in his book, The Art of War, that if you control the enemy, you control the war. Well, Fox News, in terms of our media, they are kind of the enemy. They are the alternative media source. They give the conservative movement its voice. And so if you can, if you control both sides of the American body politic, both the liberals and the conservatives, by controlling both groups of media outlets, well, now you control the war because you're controlling not only the message you want the American people to hear, but you're also controlling the opposition message. And controlling the opposition message is very, very important because if China does not have a controlled voice of opposition in the American media market, 
then something else will pop up, whether that's Daily Wire or whatever it may be, Dan Bongino, whatever that may be. By having a controlled voice of opposition, the Chinese are reducing the quality or reducing the viability of alternative conservative voices. So that's what China is up to. And and that's that's not a conspiracy theory. We can pretty well document that that's happened. The only question is how far their reach has gone. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about conspiracy theories. I know I got an example. I said I wasn't going to. But uh, I want to talk about what they were. I want to talk about which ones you might listen to and which ones you should stay away from. And I want to talk about how conspiracy theories got a bad name because the CIA got caught with its hands in the cookie jar selling heroin in the United States, smuggled with dead American servicemen coming from Vietnam. So that's it. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Daily Libertarian, all rights reserved.